Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman, the place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Garleski and Ryan Cody talk about life, work, comics and booze. Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show and online at www.tigshow.com T-I-G-S-H-O-W dot com Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking while you're listening to the show. Go on yourself, big man. Hey everyone, this is Ryan. Thanks for tuning in again to the illustrious gentleman. Uh, Scott is off this week. He has some spring break obligations. I think he's enjoying a fun weekend in Southern California. Maybe some Legoland, maybe some Universal Studios. He's a wild man like that. So without Scott being here, I'm going to take this opportunity to uh, interview and chat. Not really an interview, more of a chat with writer, actor, and all-around good guy, Michael McMillan. So Michael is the writer of Adventure Van, which I drew, and the trade for Adventure Van, the collected edition, is in stores today. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, this cool podcast on the day it comes out, uh, be sure to go to your local comic shop and ask them if they ordered Adventure Van Volume 1. And if they did, you should buy it. And if they didn't, you should tell them to order it for you. And then you can go back at a later date, usually in about 7 to 10 days, and then you could buy it yourself. Uh, but either way, I hope you enjoy this talk with me and Michael. It's not the best quality audio. I had some issues with travel and setting up the Skype and everything like that. So you're going to have to kind of bear with me as we go back to the early days of the illustrious gentleman as far as the sound quality goes. And I apologize to Michael because he does his own podcast that is sounds very professional and it's great. And you should all check it out. It's called Bigfoot Collectors Club. Um, but anyways, sit back, relax. Have a few drinks. I know I did when I recorded this. And uh, enjoy me and actor and writer Michael McMillan. So you uh, you look you look tired. You, you oh, do- dude, I am the most exhausted I've been in months. You're <laughs> doing a lot of... Uh, I think I'm top 10 most tired in my life. So you're doing... <laughs> Which uh, is always a great way for a guest <laughs> to announce their presence on a podcast. And I'm going to have a glass of red wine while we're talking. So there is a solid chance I will fall asleep halfway through this conversation that like would, the old man I'm becoming. That would mean it would be the best uh, – you'd be the best guest we've ever had. So. Just suddenly <laughs> quietly snoring. Do you want to talk about what wine you're drinking or is it just like two-buck chuck and you don't want to talk about it? Are you, are you ashamed uh, oh yeah, of nothing, it? There's nothing special about this. This is the uh, – Target ten dollar wine of choice, Josh Sellers Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, it's a it's a lesser expensive red wine that doesn't give me a headache when I drink it. Yeah, a lot of California reds. I I used to my aunt my uncle used to live in Paso Robles when I first moved out to California. I would go up there and I really got into wine tasting and I really became like a big wine drinker. That's pretty much all I drink now is is wine. I am a wino, like oh. officially. Uh, occasionally I'll, I'll drink other spirits, but um, but yeah, this is like a, uh, it's not quite two buck chuck, but it's not a $20 bottle. And it's, you know, a lot of California wines have sulfites in them. I think this does too, but it's, this for some reason doesn't, it's like the right balance of like 
not dropping a ton of money, and I'm not getting that bad wine headache halfway through the bottle. Right. So I don't drink wine as a rule. Um, if I do, we've already talked about this. If we do, I make an ass out of myself on the show. Yeah, I normally don't drink wine because I just don't dig it too much. But yeah. I've also learned that uh, I don't – I think red wine makes people like emotional and tired and – kind of kind of shitty i'm not saying it's gonna make you shitty but if i if i do drink wine i drink white wine or a spark i drink like the the sparkling red like what are they what like a nice sparkling rosé maybe or uh what's there's a name for it that my wife knows the name and i can't like cold duck i drink cold duck i don't think i've had that i might have to try that yeah red wine it's tricky i go in and out phases with it uh yeah, it can definitely make you a shitty person. That's why you gotta find like one that doesn't fuck you up too bad. And right. for some reason, the Josh sellers that I get at Target or my local grocery store seems to be just seems to be the right place. Okay, it's just, it just hits the sweet spot. I can have a couple glasses and not not become like a depressed um, housewife. Okay, that's okay if you want. Or a be- house husband. I am. I'm non. Binary. Right. You're um you're... to making fun of <laughs> drunken, sad people in the Midwest. Uh, I love your stemless glass. That's what my wife drinks out of. She has a double walled stemless glass that she likes because she can drink hot tea and or wine out of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I I also think I got this glass at Target. <laughs> I my my name I've been uh uh I've I'm I'm in a weird situation of being friends with my ex girlfriend. Weird only because Oftentimes that doesn't that's a not a successful move. It's been very successful for us. And we've been watching uh, this past season of The Bachelor over at one of her best friends' house houses every Monday night with a group of people. And he's got these awesome wine glasses that are long stemmed and it's like there's a fishbowl at the top of this thing. And I really want to get one of those. I feel like you can pour an entire bottle of wine into it so and just a, kick it. It's almost like a San Diego margarita glass. It's like that. Yes. It's like a bowl on top of a stem. You can cup it with your entire palm and it, and you're still not getting all the way around, yeah. around the glass. It's pretty great. Yeah. I like that so. stuff. It, it tends to break when you drink as much as I do. It t- those things tend to break when... When they're yeah. too common, so <laughs> yeah, this is why I, at home usually this is why I drink from a stemless glass, so it does. I can't. I can. It doesn't knock over as easily. It's so funny. I. I. I you know, it's funny because like wine is the only thing that I will have in my house. That uh, if if I have it in my house, it will be drunk, or drunk, drunken, drink, drink. 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 It'll be drink. Right. Uh, I have a bottle of whiskey that's been out there for months. I have a bottle of uh, mezcal, which has been out there for months, all of which I enjoy. But the only thing I really seem to dig into when I'm at home is wine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and I, you know, if there, it's, it's kind of like when you were in college, if you had a bag of weed, it'd be gone the night you got it like this that's the way wine is for me so i usually only tend to buy a bottle if i know i'm gonna have some wine that night i am drinking a king harbor brewing tiki hut ipa 
Uh, it's seven and a half percent, and it's from a brewery in California. I didn't. Obviously, I got home about an hour. It's from Redondo Beach, uh, King Harbor Brewing Company in Redondo Beach. Uh, they got a little tiki. I'm a I'm a sucker for decent can art. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so seven and a half percent IPA. Nothing to write home about, but I'm sure it's going to be good. So um, it's funny because IPA to me is what wine is to you. If I drink an IPA, I go insane. Like I become a crazy person. And I cannot do it. I, I start saying and thinking and texting the weirdest stuff. And yeah. I learned that I learned that lesson the hard way after one night of copious amount of IPA at my local uh, gastro pub. I had been walking home and saw these um, these really cool old trees. I don't know what kind they are, but they're like they're all over LA, and they're not palm trees. And they they look like bone white, uh, and and the and the bark is like very light, and they're like these gnarly like old trees. Are they aspens? And they might be. They might be. Um, but I just like I remember I like took a photo of them at night, and I posted this like love letter to trees on my Instagram account, and then passed out when I got home. And the next morning, like all my friends were laughing at me. And I like got so embarrassed, and and they took it down. Um, so I was like, okay, well, no longer drinking IPA because it makes me a Tolkien, uh, a Tolkien drunk. Right. Yeah. The problem with the the problem with the craft beer movement when you're my age is I grew up drinking. Uh, I'm a little bit older than you. I grew up drinking like just right like PBR and Miller High Life and Miller yeah, Light and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So when the, when the, uh, and then I had kids early, so I got, I didn't drink a lot for about 10 years. And then I started drinking again in my mid thirties and all of a sudden it was craft beer, everything. So I would start drinking IPAs like they were PBRs or Miller lights. So I would have a six pack of IPAs and then oh, that is a bad, that the is next a thing bad you know, move. like I'm, I can't function. I, I got like the gummy mouth. It's almost like concrete in my mouth and. It's like the equivalent of medicinal marijuana. Like you're like shit. What? This is so strong now. Yeah, but at least with that, you don't get uh, two thousand calories ingested and the blow. This is true. Yes. It's not like you're eating seven loaves of bread and then vomiting <laughs> the next minute. Right. I already have a headache, so that means I already I'm, I already have a hangover for tomorrow. But it's starting yeah, you're now. Good. Just drink a drink water. Drink a bottle of water before you go to bed. Yeah, that's fine. what they say. That's what everyone says. Um, you gotta hydrate. Yeah, water's the magic elixir to everything. You got you got cancer, just drink some water. You got a limp, drink some water. You're good. It's great. It's yeah. good. It, it's very good for gout. Drinking water is not a bad way to go. All right, so listen to Doctor Michael, who uh, is on the show because <laughs> today I'm your show's Doctor Phil. <laughs> I think when I think the term they use is when the episode drops. So when this episode yeah. drops. The trade paperback, which I had to explain to my mom, the difference between a trade paperback and a graphic novel, which there's not much of a difference, but I had to... How did you do that? Because I don't even know how to explain it. I I understand the difference, but I don't know how to explain that. One is a collected collection and one is an original collection. Yes. So you and I have a, along with Micah Myers and Will Dennis, have a collected trade paperback of Adventure Van that is quote-unquote, dropping today. Yes. Oh, good. This is Wednesday. This is new comic book day. That's right. In CBD. (laughs) 
even those like that hashtag my you know most of my people who fo- most of the people who follow me on right. on social media are like crazy ex-girlfriend fans or fans of my podcast um bigfoot collectors club so they're not like necessarily comic i haven't crossed over into the comic book audience which 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 uh as much as i'd like to considering that we have a comic book out right now um so i always feel like when i'm saying comic book shop or hashtag uh uh new comic book wednesday people have no idea what i'm talking about i remember when i wrote on the true blood comic for idw i would post a photo on twitter and be like True Blood issue three is in local comic shops today. The True Blood comic book. And I would be like, here's a photo of it. And most people would write, would would comment, what is that? How do I get it? Right. Where do I get it? Right. Is it a book? And you're just like, I just explained it all in the tweet. Yeah, I just visited today. I visited two comic book stores, same, same franchise, but two different locations today, dropping off promotional material. And we were talking about how, uh, I mean, Captain Marvel made half a billion dollars last weekend and they're not seeing the bump. And there's not young ladies coming in buying Captain Marvel trades. And I said, I bet if there's a Captain Marvel trade with Brie Larson on the cover, it would sell well. But they look at that Amanda Connor cover or whoever drew the cover and they don't equate that with a Brie Larson. They don't even think it's the same thing. They don't even know it's a thing they can do. I don't, I don't think. think they. I think generally, still, uh, for the most part, people the general that general audiences don't even know where to get comics. Right. I don't think they know how to get them. Even it's something that, unlike film, um, uh, unlike books, unlike TV shows, unlike streaming, which are everywhere. You know, in any store you go to, when you go to Target or Walmart, there are books there, there are magazines there. Right. Um, they've tried to get comic books in there and, you know, haven't really succeeded. I just think most, like if Target had, with the entertainment section, like an end cap with graphic novels, that'd be something. I just think most people don't know. I think they, I think they're kind of, I think they're generally... Uh, intimidating, overwhelming. They don't know how. It's it's like a medium that you don't. If you don't have someone to kind of like show you how to get into it, you're not sure how to approach it. And I don't know how that can be addressed. Well, I understand. I mean, I understand the logistics between 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 every second on Betwixt. screen. Yes, every second on screen costs X amount of dollars. But at the end of every Marvel DC movie, before the credits and before the post-credit scene just 30 seconds and just say go to marvel.com to find more adventures of captain marvel right. or more right. adventures i mean that would make all the world all the difference i think or you know uh before the movie starts in between the trailers and the get your popcorn bullshit just have a, a you know my comic shop locator or whatever like a 10 yep. second ad for that because i i honestly do think there are Fans of the characters and fans of the movies that don't realize they can buy a periodical every month of this character, or yeah, in most cases need... four issues a month because they have yeah, four titles God. or whatever, you know. Yeah, they need to like, 
Like, if you knew that you didn't have to wait a year to get your Avengers fill between Infinity War and Endgame, right? Like, that's they should at least market it as a thing to be like, hey, while you're waiting for the next movie, check this out because it'll at least feed that that uh, itch a little bit. But that that makes me wonder, and not to get like too far off on a tangent, uh, but it does it does make me wonder if. It's just the differences, the movies and the comics zap different sections of your brain. And some people are just like that, that the part of the brain that, that received the, the comic book receptor is like just on in some people's and in other. And I don't want to like, I'm not trying to like doom the art form at all here. I'm just saying, I wonder if it's just some people don't take to it even when they're fans of the of the films. Yeah, I mean there's there's the thought to that like um I don't know. I mean it's the same thing like people who love movies you think would love to read screenplays but they don't. Like screen, Exactly. Screenplays. I'm an actor screenplays, and I hate reading screenplays. Right. Screenplays. I I have like four or five screenplays that I love, but it's not like I go out every movie I love, I don't go buy the screenplay for it. You know, like right? I haven't bought one in novelization or the yeah. It, I think it because for me, and I'm I assume it must have been the same for you. Like the thing that got me into comics as a kid was that I liked I liked to draw, right? And I was really into the uh, and I loved animation. You know, I always loved animation, and I loved the idea of the fact. I mean, the words and the script were almost subliminal for, for a time, you know. I obviously was connecting to them because I was really into the serialized aspect. And that's something else I have a thought on about this whole comic book thing. But, um, you know, I got into it because I love the art and I love to draw. And so I think I connected to it first on that level. Like, I got into comics when David Michelini and Todd McFarlane were doing Spider-Man. And I picked Spider-Man off the rack because, A, I knew him since I was a kid, and, B, uh, I, I used to get Electric Company magazine for kids when <laughs> right. I was little, and they always had the Spidey Super Stories. Right, some Morgan Freeman and, and shit. I, yeah, yeah. And, and they always had, in the framework of those stories, like Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive sp- spider and became Spider-Man. So I knew his origin story at four. I knew who Mary Jane was. I knew who Aunt May was. And so, of course, of course, I picked that up first. Um, I think the thing, honestly, the comics need to go back to doing. And if they really want to hook audiences, is go back to the serialization of it. Go back to having big cliffhangers at the end of every episode. Go back to the soap opera style of it. Because that's what the movies do. The movies do that. The move that the, the teaser credit is what's the cliffhanger, right? Right. I, I, Infinity War ended with a huge cliffhanger. All those successful HBO shows, and you know, for the, at least for the first half of True Blood, it always ended with a massive cliffhanger. Game of Thrones ends. Each episode ends with a massive cliffhanger. That's all borrowed from old movie serials and comic books. Yeah. And since the utilization of the trade paperback to bring it back around, I see, I think we've all seen that in the last 15 years, less and less and less. You know, there are times when the final panel of a comic book could 
it could just lead it just kind of leads right into the next issue without being a big reveal or a big emotional beat you know right. and i that's what i loved as a kid was like what is going to happen next like that stanley come back next month sort of enticement to find out what's going to happen that's what got you hooked yeah i'm i'm of the mind that i love the uh I, I, there's probably a better term for it but i love the the hellboy men, the hellboy mentality of just a bunch of mini series but you sure. can you can end a mini series that you know is a mini series like right hand of doom 4 of 4 and still make the reader want more at the end of that like it doesn't right. have to be you don't have to continue that with issue number five or whatever. You can right. continue it with the next miniseries, but there is the mentality. And I, I think a lot of it just comes to, you know, like people want to wrap it up because they want to sell an option or they're not sure right. there's going to be another series or whatever, but you can wrap up a storyline and have a cliffhanger at the same yeah. time. It's yeah. And I, and no one's going to, no one's going to die because the cliffhanger, maybe the cliffhanger never gets absolved or maybe right. another series doesn't get made, which is a shame. But maybe that's the fact. But no one's going to look on that first miniseries and think less of it because the answers weren't answered. Right. Yeah, I mean, I took that risk. I mean, that's a lesson that, like, I if I need to learn it, it it's, it's going to be beaten out of me. But, like, with Adventure Van, without spoiling anything, I tried to wrap up the plot of the first arc and leave it on a big cliffhanger at the same time. So you're like, okay, well at least this problem was solved. Right. But it's opening the door to what the series will become. Yes. And so in that sense, I kind of looked at it. I looked at it at, in the same vein that, um, you know, that, that I looked at as like, like a, a TV pilot, which is, um, it's all set up. Everything's put into place and this there's obviously going to be more to this you know right. I, I think it's i think it's probably smarter if i just you know wrote five issues and ended it and then had to come up later if there was a sequel to figure out how to sequelize it much in the way the original star wars was right mm -hmm. you know like if they never had another star wars movie ever again the first star wars film would have felt like a beginning and a middle and an end right you know, even though Darth Vader's not dead, even though Luke's not a Jedi, he used the Force, he beat the bad guy, they blew up the Death Star, and you could kind of go, well, the Rebels actually won and beat the bad guys, and you could imagine that maybe even blowing up the Death Star would have solved all the problems for the galaxy. You know what I mean? Right, I would think that most people at the end of The Return of the Jedi weren't saying like, oh, they got to continue this story. To them, no, it, to them it, was a, it was a finished story. Yeah, especially when yeah. you get to Jedi, it feels right. very resolved. There's, It's so resolved that there's like ghosts waving at them and telling them, hey, you did it, it's all done, you know what I mean? Uh, but they're racing motorcycles through a forest, so <laughs> it's all worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's tricky, I don't know. So I, I, think that's, I think that that's just in the way that I always approach comics is like you have to leave it until you get to the end, and I do see, you know, if I were given, you know, if we were given the green light to do, you know, be, the full, you know, nine seasons or not, you know, 100 episodes or 100 issues of Adventure Man, I definitely have an ending in mind. Right. But, um, yeah, I think I think that, that that enticing soap opera cliffhanger that is so appealing in TV shows and these Marvel films – 
are kind of uh, are, are a little bit absent, at least in the superhero comics right now. Yeah. I think they're all writing for the trade and writing towards big mega events. And I don't, while those might sell, I don't think that's what hooks readers. You get hooked because you're like, well, shit, I can't miss next episode now. Yeah, the next I, issue. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because comics are four bucks an issue. Um, but when I was a kid and comics were 75 cents an issue because I'm old. Or yeah. Even, or, I mean, I remember well, when. That's the 75 cents when I first started. It was funny. Hulk was 75 cents and Spider-Man was a buck. Yeah, I remember Excalibur was the first dollar fifty comic. Oh, I remember that too. Yeah. And I was like, "What? This must be fancy." Yeah, so that's kind of when I, because I used to pick up comics here and there, starting when they were like, you know, sixty-five cents an issue or yeah. whatever. But my first monthly book I ever picked up was Excalibur, and it was a dollar fifty. But it was prestige. It would be Marvel Prestige for a dollar yep. fifty. You know, and I remember thinking like, even then, like a dollar fifty is like I gotta commit. So I'm a I'm a Chris Claremont fan because if I'm giving Chris Claremont books three dollars a month for Excalibur yeah. and X Men Uncanny and Excalibur I'm a yeah. I'm devoted but that's right. all my money because that fifty cents is half of another comic right you can, my yeah. allowance was at one point you know three bucks a week mm-hmm. and I would spend all three of those dollars on three different comic books right right and I was like so I could take my weekly allowance in. And get I could get Amazing Spider-Man, Captain America, and Fantastic Four, and I was good. Yeah, you know, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not opposed. I'm, I, I'm not opposed to them going back to newsprint. Like, why does it have to be super glossy? Make the trades. If yeah. you want to make it, put the trades glossy. Fuck it. Let's let's get make them newsprint again. I love that. Right. You know, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Make a. A floppy comic, which is nowadays is less, because when we were younger, it was twenty four pages an issue. Now it's yeah. twenty, and it should they're they're like pamphlets, they're nothing. So yeah. it should be super cheap. It should not be four bucks an issue. Three ninety nine printing, issue. yeah, it, you could still pay. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, may, I think if you make them cheaper, put them on cheap pulp, make them pulpy again. That was always kind of like the thing too, is that I miss was that I miss is like. Oh, even though I could get this at my grocery store before I discovered comic book stores, it was like, this is like this secret world that no one else seems to really know about. I kind of like it. And I remember getting like jealous when other kids at school discovered comics. My buddy and I would be like, that's our thing, not that, you know what I mean? When we should have been like excited that other people were reading that. When I was like 13 or whatever, 12, 13, I used to have a girlfriend and she used to live right by the, the bus depot where all the buses went and stopped, you know, like every route went there and went somewhere else. So if I went to visit her, I could get off at the depot and also there was a Burger King there. I could get a double cheeseburger with bacon and I could go to the comic book shop and then I could go see my girlfriend. I mean, congratulations on having a girlfriend. Thanks. That, that Thanks. is that yeah, was the yeah. biggest accomplishment accomplishment I, of that yeah, uh, trifecta. I, uh, well, I didn't know. have one of those until college. So. No, when you're a very okay. short, pale white man, it's it's something to be celebrated, and no one understands <laughs> how it happened. But I was a tall, skinny, pale <laughs> white man, and uh, it's still I'm still marvelled when it when it uh, comes together. <laughs> right. Okay. So to pull a uh, so to pull a Mark Maron, I'm going to reset here. Uh, okay. Growing up in 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 uh, Kansas, in rural Kansas, I'm going to say rural, but it's probably not that rural nowadays. No, no, no. It was the suburbs. Right. I grew up in, in an 
I grew up in Olathe, which is where Adventure Van starts off. And if you're a listener and you are currently watching the new season of Queer Eye on Netflix, one of the episodes takes place in Olathe, Kansas, which I was super excited about. Okay. Um, They're in Kansas City this whole season. I don't know if you're a Queer Eye fan. I watched. I love that show. I watched last season when they were in Atlanta or the, you know, Georgia suburbs all last season I watched. Yeah. Yeah, they're in Kansas City, and they actually go to Olathe, where I'm from. So I grew up, like, in a very, um, you know, it was like, it was a nice, it wasn't diverse by any means, but it was economically diverse. You had, in the area that I grew up in, there was, like, if you go 10 minutes north, you go to all the rich people's houses. If you go two minutes to your right or left from my house, you can get to some poorer areas, and then south it got more and more rural. So I lived like 20 minutes from downtown in the metropolitan area of Kansas City, Kansas, and really Kansas City, Missouri. Even though I was on the Kansas side, like when I when we went downtown, we were going to downtown Kansas City, Missouri. So you know, I grew up in a very like um, idyllic. Middle 1980s, 90s, middle class suburban, you know, uh, world that obviously at one point I decided I was really, really bored with. And, uh, you know, some somewhere in my head, I got the idea that I should go out to L.A. and be an actor. Um, now I miss the comfort of, of that. Like I'm, I'm I, I kind of like in the comic, you know the comic is kind of paying adventure van pays kind of tribute to my need to want to escape the suburbs. But it's funny. Cause as I get older, I just turned 40 this year. The idea of like spoiler a spoiler suburb- alert, huh? Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> yeah. The, the idea of like a suburban life sounds so just like more and more appealing. Yeah. To me. As I travel, um, uh, I also, when I was, so probably when you were very young and I was slightly older than you, I lived in St. Charles, Missouri, which was a suburb of St. Louis. I lived there for a long time. Well, not a long time, wow. like three years. That's where I went to first, second, and third grade was in St. Charles. Um, and my dad would take us like downtown. So we, I'd go to Blues games. I'd go to Cardinals games. We'd go look in the window. Like I remember peering through the, the window of where Bigfoot was, like the Bigfoot garage. You could oh, peer cool. Through the window, I you didn't know? know Bigfoot, the monster truck, was from St. Louis. Back back then, at least, it was in St. Louis. Whether it, oh, I don't know dude. how, whatever, you know, but back then, we would do it. So, I mean, I grew up, you know, a Blues fan, and I grew up a Cardinals fan, and for years, I was a Cardinals fan and a Braves fan because my family's from Atlanta or my family's from Georgia. So... I try to explain to people, like you were talking about the, the comfort now of a small town or of that environment. I try to explain to people, like, I would love to go back and live in, like, Savannah, Georgia or Roswell, Georgia or yeah. somewhere that's within an hour of a big city. Like, I got to be within an hour of Atlanta or an hour, I, I, mean, I guess, in your, in your situation, within an hour of St. Louis or Kansas City. Right. Or, you know. Well, St. Louis was four hours away. Right. I was... I guess the other way, but yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's I don't know. I the the older I get, the more a small town appeals to me. But I want I want to be able to get my fucking shit on Prime within a day. I don't yeah, want to sacrifice absolutely. that. No, 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 right? no, no. But I do. Yeah, wanna, I, I do want to go to yeah. a, I do want to go to a bar downtown where everybody. I want to go to Cheers. I want to go where everybody knows my fucking name and a beer is four dollars and. 
you know, shit like that. I don't want to. Gotta, you gotta go to a, you. So you're in Flagstaff, right? Yes. The the uh, I was gonna make it. I don't know what the the armpit is the wrong way to say. <laughs> it is the uh, cash cow of Ari- the state of Arizona. Got it. All uh, right, yes. but it's a college town. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. like I think you'd really dig a place like Lawrence, Kansas, which yes. is like super blue. And it is a college town, but it's, you know, it is within an hour. I think it's almost exactly an hour away from downtown Kansas City, if 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 that much. And it is just a fucking ripping fun town. All the great bands come through there. Um, there are great local breweries, bars, restaurants. Right. And yeah, it's a college town, so you have all that stuff too. But it is just a great great town and like that's where i always have thought like man if i could it's kind of like a mini austin texas in kansas you know it's a much smaller austin is a way bigger city right but like it's got that feel to it it's a little weird it's kind of like a little bit of a like portland or austin liberal college town like that's where i think you dig lawrence i would because we we like to go out the wife and I, who was nice enough to bring me a beer a second ago, we like we like to go out. We're, I mean, uh, I had kids. Like I said, I had kids very young. So now my kids are finally getting of age yeah. where I can do whatever I want. I can go out and do whatever I want, you know. And uh, you know, you can leave the liquor cabinet at home. Yeah, and I just and I, keep keep it unlocked for the kids. And I think it's well, it's important for them to get an education early on. But yeah. it's it's. I don't know. I, I didn't have those 20s. I didn't have those early 30s. I didn't have that. I had responsibilities when I was 22. I did not right. have the ability. I mean, my longtime friends, when I see them now, we talk about how I didn't see them for 10 years when we, they were in their 20s and doing what I'm doing yeah. now. So I go to their house and I'm like, let's drink whiskey. Let's let's listen to fucking vinyl. Let's let's get yeah. fucking weird and let's let's do shrooms and shit like that. And they're like, oh, we have soccer practice in the morning because we have a six-year-old and i'm right. like oh Dude, I, brother, I have I, a 20 I, I have a 20 year old i don't have that you know i tell you what i think that you probably look there's no one way to do it so that's that but like there is definitely a benefit from doing it the way you did it because oh, i yeah. am not married i do not have kids if i do and it's something that i always assumed i would now i'm like i don't know maybe it's the windows closing uh, you know, you're not going to be like 65 and putting a kid through college. Like you're going to be like, you're in your early forties. You can fucking crush it now. And you get like in 2019 standards, you get two solid decades of doing whatever the fuck you want as an adult. And that's pretty great. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we got about two more decades before the, the environment is unlivable. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it to the max and my kids are going to slowly suffocate alongside me, but at least they'll be adults when when they got to, they got to do whatever they wanted in high school and they got to have little girlfriends or whatever, boyfriends, whatever. Nobody wants a baby during the apocalypse. That is the worst. (laughs) Right. Right. No one wants to be, there's never a good scenario where you have a baby 
when the whole infrastructure is crashing crashing down around (laughs) so now i can be that judgmental asshole when friends now i have friends who have like four-year-olds and i look at them and i'm like how dare you bring a child into this environment oh yeah (laughs) i know but i can be i I can be judgmental and i can buy them t-shirts and whatever you know because (laughs) because none of it matters we're all gonna fucking die we're all gonna die it doesn't matter i'm just terrified (laughs) of the packs of you know roaming children during Armageddon that will kill you if you catch like right. they are going to go back to being like right. the antsy street gang of like <laughs> Mad Max Mad Max levels but the problem is if i'm going to be murdered by a bunch of children i want to i want to be cooked and feed i want to feed them and god knows you i can will. Fe- good no- god knows flesh. i could i could feed a fair amount of them with my girth <laughs> but the problem is they're going to kill me and then be like we don't know how to we don't know how to yeah. cook this so i'm gonna oh, go to dude. i'm gonna go to waste they will figure it out have you read lord of the flies they will figure it yeah, out i feel like there's a lot of waste involved in the lord of the flies i don't know if they were getting all they could out of the product oh no 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 but they will they will know how to cook you do yeah. not do not underestimate a hungry child a hungry pack of apocalypse <laughs> kids they will they will learn how to roast that fat off of your bones all right, so to take it back 15 minutes. Uh, I, I'm not calling you fat. I just no. mean. I have a, I have the, I have the beer belly that's going to be the pork, the pork belly oh. of the next generation. Trust me, I, I got it. I'm slapping it in mine right now. I'm just saying they're, they're going to know how to not waste an ounce. Yeah. Is my point. Ho- hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, did you want to be a comic book writer? Did you want to be? No, I don't want to say comic writer. Did you want to be a writer before you wanted to be an actor? Which came first? Uh, actually, I think I wanted to be an artist before I wanted to be anything. That seems to I, be the that seems to be the case for people that are into comics. Everyone, yeah, everyone reads comics and want to be an artist. We Scott and I talk about this a lot. Uh, Scott, RIP. Yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah, die, yeah. but I'm gonna say RIP like he died. But we talk about is there another branch of the arts where everyone thinks they can do what you do more than comics? Everyone thinks they can write comics and or draw comics. I think acting is very similar. I think I think I think film and TV is very similar. I think a lot of people are attracted to film and TV because they want to they they are they want to be on TV. And then I think a lot of people who start, especially in the comedy scene, like through UCB or Groundlings, right. end up going, "Oh, I'm actually." I'm, I'm, I like uh, now that I'm doing this and discovering that I'm performing, perf- I, I enjoy performance less than I enjoy being funny. And I can be funny with writing or I can be funny with directing or I can be funny with producing and getting, you know what I mean? So I, I, I think acting is similar, but, but I have heard this from other comic professionals time and time again about, and it all goes back to like, again, that's what really attracted initially attracted me to comics was the arts and just being like, I want to draw that. I want to be able to draw that. And, um, and I did draw a ton 
and I was pretty good. I mean, you, I was definitely you, like I was always like the best, one of the best artists yeah. in in my class. You, I, I learned when we were in Long Beach last year that you draw a better goblin than I could ever draw. <laughs> That's <laughs> only because I look at a bulldog every day. There's a reason why I chose goblin as the character to draw. But thank you. <laughs> right, your goblin made me look at like oh shit, I gotta. I gotta find out how to download and project an image of a bulldog to trace to draw a goblin, and you drove you drove perfect. It's because I have an eleven-year-old bulldog. I know. I trust me. If I try to draw any other character, it would look like shit. But um, but I I and I thought like I was gonna be Disney animator, and then my buddy Dave Keith, who if you're a podcast listener, uh, you should check out. He's got a podcast called Taco the Town that's based out of Kansas City, speaking of, um, which is a really funny uh, taco review podcast that I think uh, expands outside of his, uh, his the, the local uh, uh, arena that it's set in. But, it, um, but Dave and I, we, he was a great, he still is, and he's kept up with it, a really great artist and cartoonist. Um, we would just sit and draw comics all the time. And I, I remember being frustrated for me. And David was much better. He was witty and he could draw really fast. I was less witty and I could draw way slower. But what I started to discover was that I really wanted to start writing plots and stories and characters and then have sometimes David draw it for me. Or, I, you know, I would just, I, I would lose patience with the drawing. I would start a drawing and I'd want it to be, I didn't have the discipline, in other words. Like, right. it, I would get an idea for a Fantastic Four pinup. And I would start it and I would be mad that it wasn't done in, like, a half hour. And so I have boxes and boxes of, Oh, actually, this is really funny. I should go. I was actually looking. I'll go pull some out for you. I have boxes and boxes of unfinished drawings that I did as a kid. But then then every now and then I would put together and I would get a comic book done. This is really funny that I have these. And then, of course, when I was in middle school, all I was really interested in drawing was like, uh, uh, mostly naked women. You know what I mean? Like that's right. basically. Well, that's very important. I don't know if you went through that phase as well. Well, but... I don't think I did because I always assumed that I don't come from a very religious family. I came from a very. My dad was in the military, so I came from a very strict family, and I assumed anything I did that was dirty would be found out at some oh. point. Oh, me too, and I was very scared of that. All right, so here's one called, I had an anthology series called Galaxy Comics, and this was a character that my friend created called Grave, and he's sort of a Spawn, spawn yeah. Ghost Rider ripoff. I drew this, I drew this cover for him, even though he drew the interiors, Yeah. Um, and I know this is really good for a podcast. Right, um, so it's very important for an audio things, podcast. But, but then late... Later, I had this character named Bolt. Ooh. And you, yeah. Which gives me a little bit of a boner, I'll be honest. Yeah, well, take a, <laughs> take a look at this. Look at oh, this. Oh, that is a, uh, that's a, that comic would have sold a million issues at Image in 1993. <laughs> uh, there's basically any excuse we could have of Bolt getting into 
a shower and th- actually I think this was a supporting character. Uh, and yeah, this her this character's name is Heather Steele. Ooh, uh, I'm sure it's S T E L L E. Yeah, and it's funny because they're in the shower, but we're still not drawing them totally naked, but they're just bubbles slightly covered. Yeah, well, all I mean the that's like a, that's like a Larson McFarlane Mary Jane yep. or whatever. You know, it's just just enough steam to cover the nipples. Yep, yep, and see, I have here's an unfinished page that i never got around to lettering some guy waking up in an alley after a drunken night you know i'll say you are a much better artist at that age than i ever was at that age <laughs> i was good at this like 14 <laughs> yeah look at my little skyline layout that i never finished <laughs> some serious <laughs> some serious ruler work on that yeah page. this is a metaphor for me just walking away from my <laughs> talent to put myself on in front of an audience yeah hashtag whacking away um so <laughs> when did you get into uh i i, I have a problem saying the word theater because i say it like a like a hick i say theater but when did you get That's into great. when did you get That's into closer to the way you should say it, the theater when did you get into the theater when did you uh, decide this is where i'm gonna go well uh, it was gradual but I, that same friend david who's also hilarious he i mean david was like he was the guy that i always wanted to draw for write for and make laugh you know what i mean he was kind of like the in he's still one of my nearest and dearest friends so he was kind of like my target audience if david thought it was funny or if david thought the drawing was good then i knew i was doing a good job and we ended up taking an acting class together and when we were like fifth or sixth grade and then that teacher then did um musicals like good you're a good man charlie brown and annie and the wizard of oz every year for like kids in this in our school district and for whatever reason, after that acting class, I got the bug, and I started doing all of this woman's shows. Dave hung back. Dave hung back, and he kind of doubled down. He used to do a weekly comic called Spider Slam, which was a Spider-Man spoof that then spun out into its own world. And he would draw, write and draw those every day after school. He'd put out an eight-page issue every week. And I really started getting more and more into theater. And I think that I, what I liked about it was in, it was super social. There were always cute girls. And I always had this bug of, you know, my sister was older. She used to do theater. I would watch plays as a kid and just feel this need to get up on stage and get that script and say those lines. I always had an instinct to be like, that's not the way it should be done. It should be done like this. And I remember that feeling very pent up in me at a young age from about fifth grade through eighth grade until I really started to get to play roles and do it. And then it was just like, this is what I want to do. And I really, unfortunately let drawing kind of go to the way wayside but i but i continue to write i started to write more and more and more and always wrote for myself so 
Sometimes we talk about this on the podcast, and obviously Scott's not here to speak for himself. I don't know if I love making comics enough to make them if I if it was just for me. If we didn't have a social media or if we didn't have a way for me to release comics and have the occasional person say, I'm happy for your shit, you know, right. like, it, like the, whatever low amount that is, like, uh, like, thank you for the uh, thanking for thank you for acknowledging the Kickstarter earlier. The Kickstarter did not have a ton of backers. I mean, it had a fair amount and it, it actually does. It does. It's better for me that it didn't have a huge amount because it's less work I have to do now to fulfill those rewards. Right. But, <laughs> right. um, right. But it's like, I don't know, like, if someone came up to me and said, like, there's no more internet, there's no more way for you to distribute your work, you would have to do your work just for yourself, I would probably not draw another comic book page in my life. Interesting, yeah. So do you love drama and theater and acting enough that you would, I mean, what is it well, about, what think, is it about that, do, do you love it enough to do it for yourself, or well, do you love it as a way to big... express yourself? That's the big difference I find between the two is that, like, if you wanted to sit and draw for yourself, you can do that. What am I going to do? Go stand in my office and do a fucking monologue alone? That is insane. Right, but there's YouTube now. You don't have to do it to your – you don't have to do it alone. I but look, we tried to meet up on Google Hangout. I couldn't figure that out. I literally it literally took us four video. hours to figure this out, and it's two thousand and nineteen. This, this this conversation, this worthless conversation, is the result of a day's work of trying to get on the same page. Jesus Christ, we are on the same fucking page. I, we should retitle this podcast a useless conversation because it's, it's more work than it's worth. It's like oh, it's like it's like sure. it's like keeping a my car for example. It's like keeping a 2002 Hyundai running despite yeah. despite every everything telling you we're done, bro. We've had 15 good years, which like, by the way is 10 more years than yeah. a Chevy of 2003 or whatever. Yeah. Like, but just, you're like, fuck that. I don't have a monthly right. payment. I don't have to pay for a car. Fuck it. Let's keep this going. I told my, I, I told my wife I today, I told my wife today, I map out the drive down. I map out the drive back and my check engine light came on less than a quarter of the way round trip. <laughs> so my check engine light came on less than a half a way down and I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. And I did it. And the only car, I want to point out, the only car on the way back up because I was feeling, because we tried to do this a couple times earlier today when I was down in Phoenix. I wanted to get home. I wanted to just get home and be done with the day. Yeah. The only car that blew past me on the way up the mountain, because it's literally, it's a 6,000 foot climb from Phoenix to where I live. It's all uphill. The only car that passed me, because I was going like 85 with the check engine light on, was mm-hmm. another Hyundai Elantra that was like a 2001, <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't even a Hyundai Elantra GT. I got the GT. I got the sport model. That fucker was just like the base model, and that bitch just fucking flew just past me. Sedan. Yeah, and you I'm guys... just like, I just I wanted to do it a thumbs up as it passed me. I wanted to give it the thumbs up because I was gonna say you should have rolled down your window and done a passing high five yeah. as he sped past. Yeah, it's it's the it's the Corvette wave, but I did it with the Hyundai fucking Elantra from mm-hmm. 2002. I don't know. I think like what I'm learning from this is you have Cody, I think you have figured out the secrets to life. Like get the kids out early, get a like you you've basically been raising your kids as long as you've had your car. Like 
Like, you've figured this out. You're getting in all the hard work out early. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to post from here to 80. For people who listen to this show every week, first of all, I apologize. But second of all, I did have a job interview this past week or last week. It's it's hard because of how we record, but anyways. oh yeah, weren't you? Uh, I was listening in last week's episode. You were like uh, looking at you and maybe two potential jobs going, right? Yeah, so I had a job interview for the reality of the podcast. It was last week, but for release of the podcast, I guess it was still last week. But I'm sitting there realizing, like, the last time I had a real job interview was when my youngest son, before he was born, and now he's going to turn 16 in two months. Wow! So congratulations. Well, <laughs> could be could be I'm sorry, and it also could be congratulations. Like I didn't kill him in the last 16 years, but the fact that I'm going on a job interview for the first time in 16 years is not the best situation. But yeah, but it's not the worst. Well, I'm not homeless. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, mar- I married up. I punched up. You know, it's a good. It's not the worst situation. I'm not responsible for. An entire household. I'm responsible for half of a household, but again, you are just proving my point. You've figured it out. I think you're a wizard. I don't know. Uh, speaking of wizards, Adventure Van has a magical <laughs> aspect to it. Um, so you wrote, you wrote, you had a book at uh, was it Archaea? Archaea. That's a creator-owned book, and then you did some True Blood comics. Yep. At IDW, I think. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, so you had a, you all. This is not Adventure Van is not your first creator-owned book, but it's it's coming out in trade today. It was a long haul. It's a long relationship. You and I. It's, it's, it's been a long. We were it's been a long you, podcast. You and I was going to say a long podcast. That's a long podcast. The, you, the, the road. The road to Adventure Van is a whole other episode, yes. You, you and I were put together through the publisher, which is rare in this kind of circumstance. Um, but it, tur- yeah, it, right? tur- it turns out that we got along pretty well. We were walking around oh. we were walking around Long Beach last year and we were talking about fucking toys and shit. Like it all it seems to it seems to work itself out. It did work itself out. I, yeah, no, th- th- it was a good it was Kismet. It was a good match. And, you know, on Lucid, my artist, Anna Bicek, fantastic. Um, but she lived in Poland, so we only communicated over email. And I think, like, English was, like, a hard second language for her. Not, I, you know, I don't want to um, – this is years ago now. But um, so we didn't get to, like – we never really got to hang out or do anything. So this was, like, a, a cool – this was much cooler, the fact that, like, uh, you know, we actually got to do conventions together and hang out and get to talk and, and all that stuff. Um, discovered I'm more of a Star Wars fan than you are, which is totally cool. Yeah, I'm a I'm a perfunctory style Star Wars fan. Yeah. I would have been fine is... if there had only ever been three Star Wars movies. Yeah. I would have been totally and fine honestly, with that shit. Honestly, I would have been two. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always happy to – I'm one of those people that, like, look, I have my three. Yeah, I'm happy to get more. Did you watch if that? Bad, if they're bad, it's fine. I don't care. I'm happy to get more. I'm just happy to get more of the thing that I like. Did you watch that Topher Grace trailer that came out like a couple weeks ago? The seven minute trailer of all the movies together? No, 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 no. But I, of course, know of the edit of yes. the, the 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 prequels. Yes. And I know he did a edit of the Hobbit as well. Did he? Of the Hobbit trilogy, he cut uh, it down to one movie. Would it would it 
not make me fall asleep because I honestly think the 15 Hobbit movies might be the worst franchise. And maybe I didn't... No, I, I think it's trying I, to I reverse that. Reverse I don't love that. the Hobbit books. Even those put me to sleep. But the Hobbit movie... The Peter, and I love Peter Jackson. Heavenly Creatures yeah. might be one of my favorite movies. I think it's amazing. Oh, that's a fucking awesome Might be movie. because I have a Kate Winslet boner. Could go back to Jude. Could go back to Titanic. It doesn't, uh, it's not important. You're looking out an important film in that uh, equation, which is Sense and Sensibility by Ang Lee. Oh, uh, okay. Did you ever see that? No, but my wife's read the book a couple hundred oh, times. Oh, dude, so you should have a date fuck. night with your wife. Emma Thompson, Sense and Sensibility, directed by Ang Lee. Young, pre-Titanic Kate. I, I don't want to hit the word young too hard. <laughs> she was like 23, but I'm just saying like early career Kate Winslet. Right. Um. That was the first thing I ever saw her in, and it, it, she did it right after, I think right after Heavenly Creatures, and I was like, who the fuck is this? She's awesome, and I have a huge crush on her. Yeah. Uh, that's a great movie. You should definitely see that film. Yeah, my wife and I often talk about, well, we don't often. When I say often, it's like twice in the 12 years <laughs> we've been together, but it is the, uh, whenever Kate Winslet and Natalie Portman come up, it's, it's are they pre or post certain movies? Right. right, so Natalie Portman has to be way post uh, Beautiful Girls. We're not even talking about the professional because that's creepy. Right, 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 right. So right. we're talking no. about like uh, uh, Darjeeling Limited, Natalie Portman all day because yep. I'm a creep, and then yep. like Jude era Kate Winslet because I'm also a creep. Um, I think that's fine. That's all fine. <laughs> thank that's you. Totally. That's, thank that's you. That's a grown up. That those are both grown up films. It's okay. Right. But I I love uh, I love. Um, I uh, don't love's a hard word. That's a that's a terrible word to use. But um, yeah, like uh, like like, like Natalie Portman and Beautiful Girls. They make it they make it a point to say it's creepy that you're attracted to her. Yeah, but I you're think... all you're all attracted to her. If you're watching that movie, you're attracted to her because fourteen year olds aren't watching Beautiful Girls. They're not watching a movie about thirty eight year old men who snowplow. Like I. I was at like sixteen. I, I those were actually my favorite movies. It was like, yeah. what are these adults doing? So, I wasn't ever too far away from Natalie Portman that it was creepy, creepy. Right. Uh, I would be interested. I have to say, I would be interested to go back and take a gander at that film. It might be. It's super, super creepy. problematic it's, now. It's, yeah. I I think yeah now especially that we're living in the. Po- the the like post finding Neverland age. <laughs> yeah. Like I We're think all we creeps. just all need to hit delete on Beautiful Girls. Yeah. Because there is no <laughs> no no world where it is okay for no. a thirty something year old man to be hanging out with a fourteen year old girl. No, you don't talk to like, her. You don't talk to her across the fence. You don't ice skate you know, with her. You, you you show zero interest in her because you're a thirty five year old man. You, you keep your head low and you keep walking. That's right. And also That's right. you're not interested because you're a 30-year-old man and she's a child. That it is it is <laughs> actually I'm going to go out, I'm going to make take an official stance. Beautiful Girls is a disgusting film. Yeah. Like they all should have wanted to fuck Rosie O'Donnell before they wanted to fuck oh. Natalie Portman because she's a child. And that and Rosie O'Donnell, I bet was, I mean, she's a wildcat in the bed. I'm she would have sure. been fucking fun in bed. Come oh, on, yeah. <laughs> or or uh, 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 Owen Wilson in Royal Tenenbaums, wildcat. She was a wildcat. Wow. 
wildcat. Oh, and then he just oh, stares into space and gets up and leaves. It's the I best. Just, what about Adventure Van? What What was the nugget of Adventure Van? If you had to... Uh, we're going into con season, and yeah. I got cons coming up, and you have cons coming up, and we're not always going to be together. As a matter of fact, we're only going to be together once. Uh, hashtag Comic Con Revolution, Ontario, California. <laughs> uh, but um, what's the what's the sell for that? What's the what's the quick? Oh God! What's the Cody, elevator pitch? Ryan, for I'm so bad at this stuff. What's the, it is? If you're, I mean, if you're bad at it, I'm a fucking miserable at it. So let's work dude, it out. I'm so. Let's I work mean, it out right now. It's well, He-Man. Well, it's He-Man meets Back to the Future. Is that yeah, I'd say that's sell? it. I mean that that's that's basically it. It is. It's He-Man meets Back to the Future. There's no real time travel, so that's problematic. But that's basically look. It started. Well, there's it a is, van. Here's what I'd say. It's He-Man meets Guardians of the Galaxy with a little bit of Back to the Future in it. It is, it's, it is, uh, it, it's a love letter to the summer movies that I grew up with as a kid. The, Steven Spielberg, Amblin. Yeah. Coming of age journey films. Right. Summer school. Sci-fi yeah. comedy. Um, and yeah, summer school is a big one, actually. Mark, Mark Summer, oh, that's one summer, of my Mark summer and summer school. Time. Great. Yeah. It, it, uh, Chains, Vince and Chainsaw. Is that what their names are? <laughs> the, the, the clowns. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now they're on deadly class, but previous to that, they were in summer school. Are they yeah. really? No, but those, oh, those, those archetypes are those tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Summer school and one crazy summer. Yes. One crazy summer is one of my all time oh, favorites. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Dude, the dog hospital, when they take the dog to the hospital and there's a dog doctor pushing another dog in a little wheelchair and it's just, they cut to it and it crosses frame and Dave and I, my buddy that I keep bringing up, we would rewind that part over <laughs> and over and over again and just die laughing every time. I remember, uh, is that the movie where they shoot the, the small metal ball through the, so they can sail the ship? Yes, yeah, yeah, because yes. his name's Hoops, and he's yes. terrible at basketball. I remember seeing that, and I'm like, I can make that shot. I can make that shot nine yeah. times out of ten. There is actually there is actually one crazy summer in the DNA of Adventure Band because Corey Biggs is an artist who's living in the suburbs, who's like does not really fulfilling his – he doesn't know. You know, he's one of these guys that's like – he's an art school dropout. He doesn't know what he wants to do, and then he discovers like – the Harry Potter secret, which is the Luke Skywalker thing, which is you're actually the chosen one. And he's kind of not interested in it, you know? Yeah. And for me, it's a metaphor of, you know, he f discovers that his uncle's sci-fi novel is actually a history of his family and, and his birthplace. And he's actually from this other dimension. Um, he is... He-Man, he's Prince Adam if he never became He-Man. That's who he is, essentially. Like, a real-life Prince Adam. Skinny, uh, not trained to be a warrior, and he's realizing, okay, I've gone from being an art school dropout to discovering that, like, I'm actually presented with the hero's quest. And I don't know if I want this, because I'm 21, and I don't know what to do with my life. Right. And for me, the book is really about that crossover age from late adolescence into adulthood. It's the moment where everything is in peril, your relationship with your parents, 
Like, if you're not good with your parents by your early 20s, you might not be good with them for the rest of your life. If, if you're not solid with your childhood friends by your early 20s, there's a very solid... There's a very good chance that you will they will not be important people for the rest of your life. Mm. And ironically, the one thing you really don't have to worry about at 21 is what you want to do with your life. Because right. that that'll work itself out. And that's kind of the point of the story. Yeah. What's more important and and what you know we can really what we start in the first story arc is what's more important are the people and the relationships in your in 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 your life when you become a grown up. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. really to me that's the story that I want to want to tell couched in this like fun like Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas kind of rapping, you know. Yeah, I kind of in modern times, set in modern times. Yeah, I kind of love the idea that I, I'm gonna that go. That pitch still needs work, by yeah. the way. But your pitch but... is fucking terrible. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go the other way and say I think it's the opposite of that. That every decision you make when you're 21. I obviously I have children who are that age. I have a right. child who's about right, to turn right, 20. Right. It's not the end. Of, it's not a make or break. When you're that age, you think that everything you make is gonna set your life yeah. in a certain pr- process. And it's not. It's not. Yes. You can choose this or you can choose that, and both are okay, and both will have different ways. I mean, there's timelines, yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's, exactly. it's, we, we've all seen fucking Fringe. It's there's timelines, motherfucker. We've all seen Star Trek. It's don't even get me started. But it is. Uh, it's a multitude of timelines and decisions, and none of them are more important than the other. I mean, making oatmeal and making eggs is the same thing as. Well, it's not the same thing, but you're it's, still eating breakfast. Is your point? Well, I guess I, I'm saying it doesn't matter what the fuck you eat, but I guess if but you're gonna, if you're going to stick a... eating breakfast does matter. Yeah, but I if you're going to a good you're... metaphor. Well, I, the, the, what matters you is don't that have to you eat breakfast, but make a decision. Shit or get exactly. off the pot. Yeah. Shit or get yeah, off the, the pot. The decision is the, right. the point. And it doesn't even, matter even what you, it is. Just make a choice. Even if you jam a magic sword into an 8-track player in a fucking van that's airbrushed on the side. the comic, which is pretty fun. Shit might shit might pop off. And then shit might not pop off. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a hot Asian that's on the, the road with them. There's All right. A, there's like a... Let's lock that back a little bit. There's a... There's I a can't... Big, there's a big burly... Might be homosexual. Could be heterosexual. Oh, no. Could be bisexual. Let's do it yeah. all. Let's do it all. He's gay. Billy's gay. He's yeah. a hot gay dude. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea of the story. Uh, spoiler alert. That that they think he's the he's the savior of the universe, and he turns out right. to just be. I mean, I would love if we get a chance to do a, a sequel. I want to make him as gay as I can make him, the tightest shirt possible. The because he is he's supposed to be the he man of the story. So why yes. not put those tropes on display? Well, he. Well, I have plans for Billy if we get to go forward, and we will talk about it. Bill, Billy. You don't need to worry about Billy being gay. Billy's gay, and I know already know where thank, his thank next love interest is coming. Thank God, Billy is gay. And you know, originally I was going to have when when we were originally writing this a few years ago, and then it took a while for the book to come out. I was going to have Billy come out during the course of the book. And then one of the things that happened when the book took a long time to come out, Billy is, so Billy is Corey's best friend, and he is, he really is the essence of masculinity. He's just a gifted athlete, 
He's very good looking. He's ripped. He and, and so much so that the bad guys kidnap him, thinking that he must be this right uh, warrior king he that really, they're on the hunt for. And, 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 and I, that's kind of the joke. And it, and again, it's playing with misconceptions of people's right. expectations and all this sort of right. thing. And Billy is is and will continue to be until Corey, as the story goes on, will always be a better warrior than than right. Corey. Right. And, you know, so Corey kind of has to stop, you know, it's also that thing of like, don't compare yourself to what other people think you should be. And, and that's something that I deal with in this business all the time. You know, this image is the industry, the acting is very image conscious. And yes. there's a lot of that in this too, which is like, well, if you're supposed to be a warrior king, you have to act and look a certain way and so i'm trying to play with all of those tropes in in the comic and play with those but yeah i think like the thing that i discovered when even just in the past few years i suddenly stopped being interested in the the idea of like billy's gonna come out in this story and more interested in like no he's gay he came out a long time ago that's not important he's he being gay is not what makes him a character in the book right you know like, I mean? like yeah it's a part of his it's an aspect of a personality the thing that makes him a character in the book is that he's like the super confident guy that you're just like why is everything come easy for him and then the comedy comes from the fact that when he's kidnapped he doesn't know what the fuck is happening it's the first <laughs> time he's ever been like a situation's ever really been out of control for him and it's his sensitive artist friend who has to kind of right. come to his rescue. Right, but it's not because it's gay. It's because he's always been healthy and strapping and attractive. Yeah, he's healthy, strapping, strong, right. and he's just like everything right. has come easy right. in his life. And suddenly he's like picked up by two monsters, and he's like, I don't know what's going on. He's And he fights every step of the way, but he's just like, what's happening? Right. What? And he needs for the first time in his life well, his nerdy friend, his two nerdy friends to kind of explain to him what's happening in their world right you know what I right mean? so real real quick because we're going to wrap this up because i apologize but real quick i mean when i first started working on this it was not evident to me that billy might be gay right but as i reread it and it was rewritten and we re-edited it and we did all this stuff it made sense to me that it doesn't matter like billy can still be exactly. as, as masculine and he can still be the King. So when I read the newer scripts or the rewritten scripts, where right. it became obvious that he was gay, because in the early scripts, I mean, growing up the way I grew up, you assume every male character is straight or whatever. So when it right. was when it was rewritten, and I found out that he was homosexual or whatever, it, I never took a second to pause, other than to say like, "This is better," because now we have that trope where he's not the weakling that has to be protected. He's right. super buff, super strong, and he just happens to be gay. Yeah, and, and, I didn't, and, the, and I just, the hero I, of the story is just a weakling no matter what, whether he's gay right. or straight. Right. And, and you know, and it's playing with the concepts of identity. You know, I thought, okay, if we're going to do a thing where it's a story like Luke Skywalker who discovers he's a Jedi and they send the descendant of a Jedi bloodline or Harry Potter, who's the descendant, if Corey discovers that he is the descendant of a royal bloodline from another dimension, you know, I, or Superman, Kal-El, you know, it's that thing where, right. like, I wanted to make sure that the people close to him were dealing with 
with what their expectations of their descendancy were as well. That's why Katie, his other best, their other best friend, is Korean, but she's ado- adopted and raised by very Christian parents. And in that sense, she's very similar to Corey that, you know, she knows really nothing of where she came from, much like Corey. And yes. I think that's why for her, the world of Bravas, her uh, Corey's uncle's book, Twilight on Bravas, that's, for me, that's always kind of been like an escape for her. She's the real fan of this world, of this book that we only thought was fiction um, that Corey kind of grew out of, but Katie kind of doubled down on because she's nev- she's aware that she's never really felt like she's fit in. And that's not to say that kids who are adopted never feel like they fit in. This is just, uh, you know, me playing with where this character is coming from. She definitely, right. you know, she's depressed. She's dealing with depression. She's She's got these expectations to be in med school, pre-med. She's got these very Christian Midwestern parents, and she's clearly just, like, not happy. And the book is still um, Uncle Corey's Uncle uh, Corey's Uncle Mars's book, Twilight of Bravis, is still kind of – it's her Star Wars. It's her escape. Yeah. And, and the idea of, like, if you discovered that Hogwarts was real, or if you discovered oh, I just, that – Sorry, I just got a huge fucking boner. Hang on a second. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. You know what I mean? Continue. If you discover, like, if you discovered that, like, no, the Star Wars universe is a real place that you can go to, that's the place that Katie is at. Right. So her escapist fantasy is coming true, and hopefully where I want to take the story is that that will ultimately, what I'd love is it ultimately will lead her to be more interested in her own world back home on Earth, in her own, like, where do I come from? What yeah. am I about? Right. And, and in a way, that's going to parallel what's going on with Corey. Um, still need an elevator pitch for this book if you got one. No, nope, I, I don't. My, my two favorite things is somebody on, on Twitter was like, fuck you, this looks like Scooby-Doo. And then the other thing, which is like, well, fuck you, Scooby-Doo's great. Because the, there's obviously... There's our, a van. There's a van at the center of it, which is a dimensional, magical dimensional, dimension hopping van. Yeah, dummies. <laughs> and then the other thing that I, that it keeps coming up, which is both fun and frustrating, is that everyone thinks that Uncle Mars is based on Stan Lee. I was just going to say that, like, it, it, we should lean into that because... Uncle Mars was originally based on Mark Marin, which I think is more interesting. But <laughs> yeah. now Stanley is dead, and I feel like I'm being mean when I'm like, "Nope, yeah. he's based on Mark Marin." No, we're gonna have to lean into the Stan Lee thing. I think. Uh, sorry, Mark. So I apologize yeah. to Mark. And Let's then... apologize to him and to the ghost of Stanley. <laughs> oh, I would. Oh, we're, 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 we're not, we're not gonna now. get into that. But I would not. I would never apologize to the ghost of Stanley. That's a whole nother show. Um. Need to uh, but, protect the ghost of Jack Kirby. That's right. That's right. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Jack Lee. I'm a Jack Kirby ghost guy, not a Stan Lee ghost guy. I get it. I, I have my. I have my uh, allegiances. Listen, I am. Uh, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. So. so don't worry about it. Um. But yeah, a lot of people look at it, and when I'm at a show in the next six months, and they look at that cover, and they're like, "Oh, that looks like Stan Lee." I am for sure the fuck gonna say. Oh yeah, Stanley. 
because <laughs> I, w- I want your $15 for Adventure Van Volume 1. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's, that's where right. I'm always trying to be like, protect the integrity of the artist's intention. Oh, to be oh like, fuck. Actually, that's oh. Mark Marin, and they're like, who? And then they walk away. No, uh, if, if, if this show is nothing, if our podcast is nothing, it said you can rape my integrity all day long. So uh, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Um, and I've physically seen the, the trades, and they're they're shiny. I like them. Oh, good. Yeah. I have not seen a copy yet, oddly I, enough. Yeah. But yeah. that's another podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I got a big box. To put it Good. to put it lightly, and I'm happy for the big box. And uh, I already signed one. Just I'm so pathetic that I signed one to see how sharpie takes the cover like how the cover will take a sharpie oh good how does it how does it how does it's it good do? it's good it all it gives you the good like uh 10 seconds of wetness which we all enjoy and then it becomes permanent yes. which we all also enjoy so yep that's how you got into your predicament in your early 20s that's right you you put the mark down for 10 seconds and it becomes a lifetime mark yep um, um now are you a autograph on the book cover or the inside for no i I will do on the cover because oh wow see i'm an inside i don't believe comic book i do it on the cover i do it on the inside for a trade well you you know what to be honest i will normally sign if someone's in front of me at a show i'll just sign the cover and especially this cover of venture van volume one you should all order it order which uh, is a beautiful cover uh drawn by ryan code order a dozen of them uh, there's a nice spot on the cover on the top of the van that you can sign yeah. on top of. Um, I like to draw a bulldog in the in the windshield. Well, you're better than me. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, doodling I, on I, your artwork. <laughs> I did give a signed copy of a book to my mom this weekend, and I did sign on the inside cover. But oh, that's very sweet. I realize that's a little. That's more of like a novel thing. I, I mean, if I if I have a trade on my shelf and it's signed, I want that shit on the cover. I want it out and about right okay i want to look at it i don't so i unless they unless they ask me to sign on the inside i will always sign on the cover because Check i this out i want to show you something hold on real yeah, quick this is good for two of us yeah you can cut this out if you want to no okay. i'm I, i'm not gonna edit this at all uh i like your chair he's got like a one of those Arian, <laughs> one of those herman miller speaking of inside of the cover and this isn't a signature but this that's, made me think of it that's what she so said I, yeah I have this. Oh boy, this is bad. Uh, with the, I have an, a hardcover a, copy of Marvels. All right, so I don't see the signature. Is it on? Is it in black sharpie no, it's in not the a shadow? Signature, but this is the uh-huh. an inside the cover thing. So, uh, I picked this up at Secret Headquarters in LA, Hashtag. and it was in a box of recently submitted comics mm. and graphic novels from the library. Okay. Of Harlan Ellison. Are you fucking kidding me? I own Harlan Ellison's copy of Marvels by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. That just means one of his asshole fucking children sold that collection to Secret Headquarters. They brought. They had an entire box, yeah. and I have this kick-ass book plate on the inside that says "From the Library of Harlan Ellison." Wow! And uh, literally, uh, I was going through through these books. And I was like, oh, some of these have book plates in them. And the guy who works at the shop's like, oh, maybe we should go through those first. But he let me buy this. Yeah. So I will say this, uh, just to come back around and be a good salesman. Everyone who's read the book that I've talked to, I honestly, and I've written stuff that people don't respond to very well. 
I have to say, everyone's had a very positive response it's to a, Adventure Man. It's a uh, everyone people can, like it. People like it. Everyone can enjoy it. It's uh, it's not gonna yep. fa- it's not gonna offend anybody. I will say that uh, Adventure Van is is a good book for all ages. I mean, there might be like a shit or a damn in it, it's, but that's about PG-13. it. It's PG thirteen. It's nothing. Where it's not. There's nothing in it that is like. There's a little pot smoking that's implied, and some beer drinking, and like ass and dick, but like not. It's it's like it's yeah. a P, It's a, it's an it's an early eighties PG. A late eighties PG thirteen. That's how I like to describe it. Yeah, I would it. say now it's a current PG all day. You know, like nowadays it would be You're on, right. Nowadays it would be on USA without any edits. There's nothing in this that you wouldn't hear or see on Stranger Things. Yeah. And my, in fact, my uh, co-host Bryce Johnson on Bigfoot Collectors Club, he's read every issue to his seven-year-old, and I was like, "Is that appropriate?" And it's totally appropriate it's totally oh, fine. so you're the midwestern sort of uh, methodist mother in this situation right i'm i'm i think i'm being worse than i am and i'm it's and, and i it's apologize just, just i apologize fine. to the thousands of Methodists all mothers and methodists out yes. there yes um all right so uh talk about let's wrap this up with your great podcast which i'm a fan of by the way well thanks uh, bud. but i would also I say that, that as i listen to it if i was ever a guest on it I would Which be, you will be, of course. I, I will be the most antagonistic guest ever. Well, not unless we do the story of Bigfoot, the monster <laughs> truck, in which case you will be... I, I, looked, I saw it through a window. I've, I've seen it in person. Um, but otherwise, I, I can't remember who your guest was, but I just listened to it a couple weeks ago or last week, and they were, they were on my side. They said no to almost everything of the are you oh. or aren't you. It was probably Tom Everett Scott. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, So the podcast is called Bigfoot Collectors Club. mm -hmm. We invite a actor, writer, comedian, director, whoever, uh, an artist of some kind. We've had writers, artists. Um, You will definitely have to come and be on the show when you're in L.A. Um, And maybe when you're in town for Ontario, you'll come by the studio. We can make it happen. But... um, we uh, we talk about people's personal paranormal history if in there in the into the paranormal or UFOs or cryptids like Bigfoot, Yeti, Chupacabra, Loch Ness monster, all that stuff. If not, why not? If so, why? Ghosts come up a lot. Yeah. Everybody seems to have a ghost story. And then we play a game called Bullshit or Believe It, where I go down a list of things and say, Do you believe in it or not? Yep. And then we'll pull a story from of high strangeness from history to share with our guests yeah. and kind of like relish that campfire story and get their take on it. And it's just, you know, I've always been into UFOs and the paranormal, anything that's on the X-Files, yeah. I've always been a fan of. And uh, now that I'm a grown-up and I've been doing this show with my fellow actor Bryce Johnson and our producer Riley Bray, I'm getting even more into it, and, it and, and the phenomenon behind it seems just weirder and weirder and weirder. And there's definitely that influence yeah. in, in Adventure Van as well. well you know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, Adventure Van basically starts with the UFO abduction, well, in, I, in, in a sense. I'm in the boat of I've had some weird shit happen to me, but I, I will also say no, I don't believe in everything. I think so that's the coolest. That's the norm, right? That's, that's got to be the, the normal thing. We had so Ben Blacker, who's writing Hex Wives for Vertigo. Humble brag, yeah. He was, I mean, plug humble brag. 
Uh, I've also done Thrilling Adventure Hour for him. Oh, uh, oh my God. He, he was on our show. He and his wife both saw a well-dressed ghost in their apartment on separate occasions. Did not tell each other about it. Yeah. Told a mutual friend who then said, have you talked to your spouse about this? No. Full on. Yes, I saw a man, well-dressed. He vanished before my eyes. Still doesn't believe in ghosts. No, I'm on board with Still that. Still doesn't believe in them. I'm on board that with is, I'm going to backpack that guy. Here's the thing. I'm kind of on board with that because I have seen shit. <laughs> but I will not say it was an alien or it was a ghost. Well, I'll say I've seen what might be described as both. You want to meet the real goblin? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be. Oh, is he there? Oh, there he is. Hey, puppy. Oh, you see him? Yeah. Hey, buddy. Oh, Albie, hey, can you speak? Hey, buddy. Speak, Albie. Good boy. Right. So, uh, we're going to direct everyone to goldenappledcomics.com. Is it, what's their website? Do you know their website, Golden Apple Comics? Good. You think that Golden Apple Books would have a website, but let's look. And <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this live slash not live because GoldenAppleComics.com. All right, so you can go there to get Adventure Van Volume One or your yep. favorite retailer because they can order that shit from Diamond. Go to. Oh, it's funny if you go to buy, you see Marvel Comics, DC Comics, Boom Comics, Dark Horse Comics, <laughs> Image Comics. I don't see Golden Apple books, no, but we got to talk to them. In, look, we're doing this real time. Oh, look! If you go Adventure Van, Ooh. there it is. Pre-order now. Oh, Bubby, yes. I know you're the star of the comic. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, the Bulldog is based on my dog, <laughs> Albie. We're an hour and a half into this because I'm not going to edit it. We did not get further than you taking drama classes in college, but that's fine. Um, where? So long story short, I got into comics. It all it all worked out. We got thirty seconds. Wrap it up. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, where where do you want to direct people? Uh, my Instagram McMills at McMills M C M I L L Z Z at Adventure Van Comic. I also sidebar send me some more artwork to post on there. I'm all out. And then, if you want to check out my podcast, Bigfoot Collectors Club, great podcast, it's available on everything. It's really fun. Uh, I think your listeners will enjoy it, and you definitely have to come be on it. Yeah, sometime. I love it. And my wife and I were uh, at a bar I in Phoenix last weekend, and I messaged you. We saw you on a goddamn commercial, and I'm at when I'm at a bar, or I'm at home. I mean, whether I'm at home or at a bar, whenever I see you at a commercial, it, it gives me I swell with joy. Oh, well, thank I you. Yes, I'm the room spokesman right now. Yes. And then I'm also on the final season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We've got go. a few episodes left. Big series finale on April 4th. So check that out, too, on the CW. So if you live in L.A. Netflix. If you live in L.A., there were some live shows happening. What is that all about? We uh, So we did a live tour last year. I did um, – I'm supporting cast. The main cast did a bunch of different cities. I did L.A., two L.A. shows in San Diego. And then our series finale is going to be followed by a concert special that we taped this weekend at the Orpheum Theater in downtown L.A. on Friday and Saturday night. And they're going to kind of like a comedy stand-up special. They're going to take the best bits from both nights with the live audience and put it together in one 45-minute special. And that'll air immediately following the series finale on April 4th. And okay. I did a lot of dancing. 
I am very sore. I am very tired. Uh, so um, if you want to see me doing Fosse, if you want to see me doing a La La Land style jazz uh, dancing and singing back up and doing a few solo lines here and there, then you definitely got to check that out. All right. You're my goddamn hero. How is your, uh, we're going to call it, uh, we're going to call it. Albie. Pilot. We're gonna call it a. Uh, tar- we're gonna call it Target Red Wine because I don't want to work too much. How was your red? If you had to rate your red wine from Target, from a zero oh. to a five, what would you rate it? Oh, five being the best. Five being. Um, uh, five being is you're gonna you're gonna tell everyone in the world about it. A zero being you will never talk about it again. Oh, uh, I'd give it a solid three point eight. Well, we don't do that. So three, okay, then three point five four. or three point four, or four. 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 four, four, Okay, and that's your Joseph something red. Josh wine. Sellers Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, so I had the. Uh, it's like ten to thirteen, ten to fourteen bucks at Target, depending on if it's on sale. Okay, so I had the King Harbor Brewing Company's Tiki Hut IPA. I actually finished this like an hour ago, so I can't be honest about. <laughs> I didn't hate it, so I guess if I didn't hate it, it's going to be a three, three point. It's going to be did a. Did you three. get your second one? Well, no, that was a different beer. So we what started. Your, what, uh, what's it, your second one? Let's go. Come it was on. A full sale, full sale IPA, uh, full sale IPA, which it's I've had that all the time. So the okay. the beer for the show is going to be the King Harbor Brewing Company. I'm going to give it a uh, three point five. Okay. okay. Um, Thanks, man. Thanks for hanging dude. out. Thanks for putting up with me, dude. We hung hey, out. Thanks, we've literally, thanks for drawing a comic book that no, I wrote. No, it's so weird when you work together with somebody and you never really hang out with them. We've only been in person together for like four hours. Yep. And we realized like 30 minutes in, like, oh, yeah, we're dudes. Like, we're those dudes. I was like, oh, you're getting like vintage 80s New Mutants comics? Great. Can I – where else can we shop? This is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. We'll do it in Ontario. Uh, yes. And uh, maybe we can do a little bonus episode. Maybe I can get you – I'll at least interview for uh, our Patreon for Bigfoot Collectors Ooh. Club at the very least. Big time, there. big time, yeah. We can uh, walk around the comics. We could walk around the floor together, and we can make an episode out of that. Yeah, or I could just get fucking hammered in the hotel room. And we could do that. Whatever you love want. it. Again, I feel yes. like this is going to end with you t- unzipping your pants. Yes, I'm not sure. I'm a little worried, it's but okay. Very important that I do certain things. And... I'll navigate my way through it appropriately. <laughs> Navigating is the right way to do it. Okay. Uh, thanks, buddy, and I appreciate yes, it. Yes, thank you, and, and uh, thank you to Scott for having me as a guest on the show. Well. Yeah, sorry, was here. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, pick okay. up Adventure Van today, and if they don't have it in your fucking store, you go grab that person behind Golden the counter. Comics.com. You grab them by the collar and you yell at yeah. them and say, "I demand my Adventure Van."